0: You're here at episode 322. Are you sick of getting on the scales and feeling like shit? Or possibly you even have massive anxiety before you even step on the bastard? The scales have been an indicator for weight loss progress and even overall health status for over 100 years now. And that would be fine if our self-worth wasn't tied to the number between our toes. And well, it's not always reflective of the truth either. And on today's episode, we get into just that. What is the truth and why do we care so much about the number on the scale? And also, I've got a healthier way for you to track your progress. So let's get into it. Welcome to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. You've tuned in because you want to start taking your health seriously. So you don't, well, get sick and die. Here we talk all things health, nutrition and human optimization. Let's jump into it with your host and resident scientist, Maddie Lansdowne. Hey, what's up, my healthy friends? I'm glad that you're back for another Coaching with Maddie episode and I want you to know that in 2024, it's my mission to coach 500 people to get control of their sugar cravings and sugar binges so they can stop yo-yo dieting, stop obsessing about food and finally create a body that makes them feel confident in themselves. Now, part of that is talking about the scales and many people use scales to measure their the pounds or kilograms that exist within the human vessel that they're in. However, it doesn't make many people feel very good. Universally, the scales seem to be the only way to track progress when it comes to weight loss or a health progress. And it doesn't matter what the health issue is. Almost everyone that I've ever worked with, whether they just want to deal with their emotional eating or their sugar addiction, and they're not too worried about the physicality of it, or whether they've got brain fog, or whether they've got diabetes, or whether they've got cancer, no matter the type of person that I've worked with in the context of nutrition, food as medicine emotional eating, relationship with self and food, almost everybody, not 100%, but pretty close, there's a weight loss element. And so with weight loss, we just assume that the way to track weight loss is with the scales. However, most people, and you can probably relate to this yourself, feel very discouraged by the lack of movement regarding the number on the scales. And it leads to getting really, really excited about numbers that one, don't really mean anything, or two, You feel awful about yourself because the number doesn't quite look how you want it to. And that means that people go about their day having their self-worth determined by the number on a scale. You could wake up feeling not too bad, pretty good about yourself and just thinking, oh yeah, you know today should be a good day. And then you jump on the scales before you head to work or before you jump in the shower and the number shows up and you've gained a kilo and all of a sudden your whole day has gone to shit, right? This is... Not a position of empowerment to be in. We are handing over power to a number that determines our pull on gravity. And the truth is that each person often attaches themselves to a specific number that they believe is going to solve all of their problems. And all of their problems will go away when they finally hit this number and they can remember a time in their life where they were like, oh, when I was that weight, I looked hot. Or when I was that weight, I looked good in a bikini or whatever it might be. However, And I've had many of these conversations one-on-one and in private with people, is that it's highly likely that at that time in your life where you're reflecting on when you were that weight, you probably hated your body then too. This seems to be a common theme with both men and women. Is that when you look back on your life, if you go, if say if you're 40 years old and you look back at your 30-year-old self, you think, "Oh, I had the life then, and I looked good, but I regret that at the time I, I felt really shit about my body and I thought I was fat." And then you see someone talk to someone who's 50 and they look back at their 40-year-old body and say, oh my God, I can't believe I thought I was overweight then. Look at me now. I looked so good when I was 40. And then to take that same person, 50, 60, 70, 80, and it seems like a universal experience for people that are challenged by weight or getting their food right or their relationship with sugar and sugar addiction and sugar cravings that are out of control is that every time they want to look a weight that they used to be, they actually reflect and think, oh, I think now I looked great then, but at the time, I was being awful to myself and I thought my body was disgusting. And so what this tells me is that numbers that we're chasing are a bit of an illusion. They don't represent reality. We're not actually going to get to a number and all of our problems have been solved. It's, it reminds me of the idea that you know, so many people that win Tats Lotto or the jackpot or whatever it is, when they win $10 million or $100 million dollars. Some stupid figure like 80% of people and I have no idea what the actual number is. I'm winging it. But a very large percentage of those people end up bankrupt in 3 years because money doesn't solve all of your problems if you don't know how to use money. Just like getting to a particular weight doesn't solve all of your problems unless you know how to work with the mind and the soul and your emotions. Right? They're different languages and that's why checking your progress on the scales, it's not going to do much for you. Sure, it can motivate you and it can make you feel good like you're doing the right thing and all of these different things. However, if you don't solve the underlying emotional issue that got you to being in an overweight body to begin with, then we're going to end up right back where we started. Hence, yo-yo dieting. The pendulum swings back and forth and back and forth. And so, the point is here that we actually want to break up with the scales because they mess with so many people's minds. Men and women Far more women than men, but unless you're someone that is unaffected by the numbers that appear there, I would encourage most people, especially if you're above the age of 40, to throw the scales out or only check once a month. right? And might, maybe at best, once every two weeks. Well, all we want to do is we want to find a useful metric that is not related to your self-worth so that we can track progress in regards to actions, in regards to collecting data on how we act not how our physical body is, if that makes sense. And the overarching goal should always be to be a healthy person. That should be who you want to wake up as. So you can ask yourself, what does a healthy person do in this situation? You can ask that question in every situation. Then followed by, how does a healthy person act and behave? So that's the metric that we use. So we want an action-based metric instead of, did I lose weight from going to the gym this week? It should be, did I hit my goal of attending the gym four times this week? Right? So it's an action-based goal. And we can celebrate that goal because it's not about weight loss. Weight goes up and down based on hydration, based on sleep, based on stress levels, based on the food that you ate, based on the amount of protein you did or didn't get, based on the amount of carbohydrates you ate, based on the alcohol that you drank this week. So many things. So we want to focus on the action that leads to being a healthy person. So pick a number of times that you'll eat healthy or you'll cook dinner or you'll go to the gym. In fact, all of those would be great. And the goal each week should be go to the gym four times, cook dinner in the kitchen four nights this week, and make enough to have leftovers for lunch the next day. It's an action-based goal. And we want to be in control of our food, You know, maybe six out of seven days a week in a year's time. You know, We want to be realistic. Maybe you want to be doing movement exercises seven days a week in a year's time. However, right now, we need to start realistically. And it's like, we're going to go from zero to two. So now this week, the goal is movement two times a week. And then in a few weeks or a few months, once you've hit that consistently, we want to go to three to four times. So again, these are actions that lead to being in a healthy body. And if you are interested in looking at how your body is changing, instead of using the scales, I would use clothing as a metric, the clothing that you are now able to wear and the changing shape of your body, and possibly measurements as well, centimeters around your waist and your hips and your arms, and you could do skin folds as well. Is something that you could do, or you could do a DEXA scan, or other other different things. But again, you don't want to do that too often because that data can really ruin your day if you're unhappy with it. So I would go with action based metrics, and second that, or couple that with clothing and or measurement of the body that you're in with a tape measure or some kind of you know, my arms changing shape. Um, is my torso changing shape? Is my body changing shape? Because I've worked with and know people. Whose bodies have changed significantly, like I can physically see it over a course of time, and some are short and some are longer time frames. However, the number on the scale isn't much different. So you need to move away from that really disheartening number that's not reflecting reality. It's not showing results of actually going to the gym that many times a week, or cooking in the kitchen, or being in control of your food choices for a couple of days a week. Right. And that's exactly why with my clients, we do this action-based metric. The goal is, like I said before, in a year's time, we want to be in control of our food choices and able to manage our emotion around food six out of seven days a week. That's a that's a realistic goal for a year from now. Cause most people, when they're talking to me, they do it zero out of seven days a week. Right. And so again, focusing on that frequency of action. It's realistic to start with one or two days and then progress in a month or two to three days and then in a few more months, four days and by the time we get to the end of the year, we've probably fallen off the bandwagon a bunch of times because you're a human and that's okay and we've gotten back up and started again but we're a little bit better each time. So, eventually, we can actually get to where we want to be and we don't don't ever want to start with seven out of seven days achieving the action because then we're doing diet culture and we've gone all the way into... Changing everything overnight, which means we're going to come all the way out really soon, and that's the situation where most people claim that they're all in or all out people. And if you ever claimed that, you should go and listen to I think it's episode two hundred and thirty of the podcast uh, where I talked about the the belief that many people have about themselves that they're all in or all out. Check out that episode. Anyway, get rid of the scales. It's a take home message here, and start using action based metrics to track your progress. How many times did you do insert thing, insert behavior that a healthy person would do this week? And carry that forward for a few months until you start nailing, or a few weeks until you start nailing it each week, and then slightly move, slightly move the goal one or two steps forward. If you've enjoyed this episode and this is a useful tip for you to change the way that you think about your goals and the way that you go about things, then please share it with a friend. Share it on social media. Don't hesitate to tag me. I'm on all of the things or most of the things um, at Maddie Lansdowne or at Maddie.Lansdowne, whatever variation of it it is. Um, And if you've enjoyed it enough too, please give us some five stars and some ratings and reviews and all that kind of stuff because it helps us climb the algorithm, which is how other people find this episode. So thanks for being here and I will catch you on the next one. See ya. Hey, thanks for listening to the show. If you enjoyed this episode or learned anything at all, the gift of your five-star rating would be incredibly helpful. And what's even more powerful is if you write a review. You can do it below each episode on Spotify, every time an episode comes out. And inside Apple Podcast, simply find the main page of this show with all the episodes on it, scroll to the bottom, hit write a review, share your amazing feedback, and then hit send. It helps this show grow tremendously and allows me to successfully invite bigger and more famous guests each time we do the show. Thank you, thank you, thank you for helping us climb the charts, climb the algorithm and help more people. Oh, and by the way, I have a short disclaimer as well. I just wanted to quickly remind you that the information provided on this podcast is for general informational purposes only. While we strive to bring you accurate and up-to-date content, it's important to note that a lot of this is mixed with opinions, stories, and ideas not supported by mainstream science or medicine. Any advice or suggestions should not be considered a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always consult a healthcare provider before making any decisions about the health and wellness of you and your family. Remember, too, that what works for one person may not work for another. And just as we promote on the show, each person is responsible for their own health decisions. Thank you for tuning in to the How To Not Get Sick and Die podcast. And now, the next episode. Here it is.